Welcome to On the Record with White and Case. This is the podcast where we discuss life in big law, whether you're considering a career in big law, studying at law school, or already one of us. This podcast is where you can get to know our firm and our people. Expect tips and advice, insights into our work, and find out about what lawyers actually do all day. And in every episode, we'll go off the record with our guests for the lighter side of legal life. I'm Juliette Fernandez, and this is On the Record with White and Case. Today, I'm here with Joseph Brazil, a partner in our banking practice in our New York office, and Grace Siri, our recruiting manager in our DC office. Hi, everyone. Good to have you. Hi, Jules. How are you? I'm good. I'm back in the office today, so it's starting to feel a little bit normal coming in a couple days a week. Excellent. I can't say I've been in yet, but... uh... I got my second dose of uh, the Moderna vaccination. So they say it takes about three weeks to take full strength. So I'll be in there soon as well. Sounds great. I feel like I can't be far away from the two screens anymore. I came in and was just like, oh, everything's in HD at this point. So <laughs> now I'm now I don't know if I can go back. I'm a little spoiled. Um, how are you doing, Grace? I'm doing well. I'm not quite fully vaccinated, but I'm also going into the office a couple days a week. Um, you know, found my way around, found my office again, which was half the battle. So it's great. And I think for you too, because you joined March 2020. So you basically, I think, had like three days in the DC office because you came, met everyone in New York, and then everything went remote. So you went into like the deep end of jumping into recruiting, virtual summer program, all of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's been a wild ride, but it's been very fun. For sure. Um, Well, it's been awesome to get to know you and work with you. And hopefully we'll be able to be able to do maybe like a quarterly meeting in person. So I think the really cool thing when I was getting ready for this episode and talking about prepping for OCI and callback interviews is just the wealth of experience that both of you have in legal recruiting. Joseph, you've been at the firm for many years, you're homegrown, you were a summer associate with us and then became partner and are super active in recruiting. You're our U.S. hiring partner and Grace, you've been in legal recruiting for, I think, um, close to 10 years. I'm I'm just going to round it up a little bit. Um, So I thought it was really great to have you guys to talk through some of our best practices, right? And how to help students get prepared for OCI and for callback interview, whether it's in-person, whether it's virtual or hybrid, who knows what kind of callbacks will look like at that point. Um, But want to jump in with you and I'll start with you, Joseph, in your years of experience and kind of how students connect with us at cultivation events and even prior to that, what are some of the best practices you've seen from students that either make them stand out or you're just kind of like, hey, that was a really great way to reach out um, or even best practices at a cultivation event? Showing showing some interest in the firm and in their career is a really good way. Being authentic. It's okay. A lot of the candidates, whether they are 1Ls or 2Ls, they're short on experience. So they don't necessarily know, for example, what practice area might be of interest to them. So the ones that ask more questions, I think, stand out a bit more to me. Uh, Also, those who show an enthusiasm around being involved in the whole process of landing a job at a big law law firm like Whiting Case, I think is also important. The most significant characteristic would just simply be 
you know, being vocal, being willing to get into a conversation, hopefully a thoughtful one, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, carry on from there. Follow up, I think, is also crucial in that, you know, there are instances where we've seen where recruits have been not so responsive when lawyers are actually reaching out to them, following up with them with perhaps information or opportunities to meet individuals and practice groups that uh, the candidate has indicated is uh, of interest to them. So that's actually quite a bad look Mm -hmm. um, for them, for any individual to do that. So being more responsive shows very well in that regard. I think getting ramped up sooner rather than later on email etiquette is such a big thing. Um, knowing when to follow up, what that timetable looks like, and then making sure that you're responding if you do have, you know, a lawyer, partner, associate that just met with you um, and getting back to them. So I really like that piece of advice and absolutely being vocal. Um, So Grace, I know we have a number of 1L offerings, um, you know, with the workshop or fellowships and all of that good stuff. Can you give us kind of a high level overview of what that looks like for our 1Ls? Yeah, so we have, like you said, we have a number of offerings for 1Ls to learn more about the firm or big law in general. Um, so we have our 1L workshop, which is over two days, and it's just a really great opportunity to learn more about White and Case in particular and some of um, the offerings that the firm has throughout the summer program and your career. We also have a number of different fellowship opportunities for 1Ls a diversity fellowship and a IP fellowship. Um, so that's you know part of our summer program and you're, you're really part of the firm from, from day one of that. Just on that, the 1L diversity fellowship and the 1L IP fellowship, what offices are those offered in? It's a great question. Um, so our 1L diversity fellowship is offered in New York, DC, Houston, Miami, Chicago, and LA. And our IP fellowship is offered in New York, Boston, and Silicon Valley. Awesome. We also have Forage, which is a online learning platform where you can learn about a select different practice areas at the firm and partake in kind of some work that our summer associates and lawyers do in their day-to-day. I think that's such a great kind of initiative that we got involved in, that you can do it on your own. There's no pressure to complete it in a time, you know, a time constraint, or it's not in addition to, it's something that you, you know, have to seek out. Obviously we promote it. So you can always go to our website or Inside White and Case and get a direct link there. Um, but it, I think it's a really cool resource to just kind of give you a peel back of what it would be like to work on something. And I think right now we're advertising antitrust maybe, I think it was that right. case study. Um, so that's, that's awesome. Um, I'm going to stay with you and just talk a little bit about as we pivot into OCI season and kind of what direct applications look like us or look for us, as well as what on-campus interviewing look for us um, and talk a little bit about one of our latest initiatives as well, which is Outmatch um, and how great of kind of a hybrid that would be for direct applicants if you're not able to meet on campus. Can you talk a little bit about what Outmatch is and how it's a good blend of a little bit of both? Yeah, absolutely. So Outmatch um, is a way to apply directly to the firm if, you know, we don't go to your school for OCI or you don't end up on our schedule um, through the lottery. 
So you apply directly to the firm. It's a series of five questions um, that are pre-recorded videos. You have about 90 seconds to answer the questions. And it's just a really great way for you to get um, your application to us. We get a sense of you from your resume, but also you know, who you are in your video interviews. And I think now that we're all a bit more comfortable using the screens, um, it's a really great tool just to get your application to us in advance of OCI or if you know you can't make it onto our schedule. Yeah, and I think too, this allows us to cast a bit of a wider net, right? Because everyone I think feels the pressure to come only through the main advertised way of OCI. And obviously we've always had, you know, write-in applications, um, but it's really great to be able to again, and it's kind of like Forge and, you know, a couple of these online initiatives, but be able to do it at your own pace, even though we expect you to complete the interview, you know, while you're applying for us. And that's kind of the guidelines of it. You're able to be in a comfortable environment, right? And be able to talk to your resume the best that you can without having the pressure of someone knocking on the door, you know, your 20 minutes are up um, or any of that. So really love kind of how we're implementing that and hope it stays part of our process for a little bit. So now Joseph, as we go into OCI's past write-in applications um, you've interviewed on campus, you know, for many, many years. Um, so what are some of your, you know, best tips on getting ready for the 15-minute, 20-minute screener interview? Good question. So presentation is important, looking the part, so to speak. I think having a decent command of the room, if you will. So the students, the recruits, the candidates will be somewhat anxious, most of them, about the experience, but that's fine. And I think it's okay for an individual to accept that, but show a degree of confidence that shows that the individual actually is in control of the situation. Come with a game plan. The questions that you want to ask of the firm or the lawyer that you're interviewing with, hopefully at least some of those questions will be tailored to show that the uh, candidate has done some homework and research about the law firm to demonstrate that they're looking for a good fit, not just a good law firm to start their career. The introductory pleasantries, the handshake, the hello, the little bit of small talk, I think it can be a way of differentiating oneself and starting the tone or setting the tone in a really good way for a strong interview. And so it can be challenging. I get it. it you're interviewing with a partner, maybe you're mid twenties, the partner is mid thirties or mid forties or fifties. So there are generational issues potentially, but I think it's important to have a level of a veneer that shows, hey, I'm okay with being in a new situation, an uncomfortable situation perhaps, and I'll make what might be an awkward starting point comfortable. So that's a really big part of what we do as lawyers, right? We're constantly dealing with thorny and tricky situations. So part of the act as it were and what we provide or add value 
to our clients is, all right, let's make them comfortable when they're dealing with a situation where they're not clear on whether things are going to be okay. Right. Right. So not only providing the substantive expertise, but also demonstrating to an individual that, hey, I'm on top of this. And we're so transparent about what we're looking for. It's part of our criteria, you know, when we're registering for OCI and we're kind of like, these are our values and this is what we're looking for. And I think you really talk to, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's kind of a finesse of, you know, client readiness and, you know, being tenacious and prepared for the interview as well and being able to blend some of that stuff. And I want to go back to something that you said, because I think, you know, even for myself, if I was to go into an interview right now, I'd kind of be like, what is the balance between small talk and getting right into the nitty gritty? How do I make the most of the 15 minutes? So what have you found is a good balance? Because it's very easy, right, to just go in and say, hey, you went to my same law school or you went to my undergrad or I'm a big football fan or I also have similar interests. But what's that balance and how do you maximize that time so you're kind of memorable and not just someone that's on a schedule of 20, 15 minute interviews? So I think in terms of the the intro pleasantries, I would be fairly brief. If there's a contact, like you said, school or otherwise, definitely worthwhile mentioning. And then if the candidate's reading it correctly, right, probably the interviewer will want fairly quickly to move into the actual nuts and bolts of the interview to get to assessing the candidate. And so the candidate, they have some degree of control, even if the lawyer is veering off the rails, as it were, which does happen from time to time. They can say, hey, let me know if you're interested in the work that I did as shown on my resume during the past summer. And so you can course correct by really paying attention and reading the body language, et cetera, of the interviewing lawyer. I think I would also add what I think is helpful in terms of preparedness for interviews is just actually visualizing the interview. I know this sounds very spacey, hippy-dippy, but it's true. Like If you actually think about and walk through the actual interview, what questions might I be asked? Here's my resume, right? I know what's on it. What questions might the interviewer asked, how would I respond to those questions? What's the follow-up question to the my initial response? These are important because if you do that in a meaningful way, you're going to cover half, maybe 75% of the back and forth on an interview. And therefore, you're not going to be blindsided. I can't tell you how many times we've sat down in meetings to discuss candidates as a team and someone points out that well i asked the candidate about something on their resume and they did not literally they didn't have a response and you're wondering okay why would you put something on your resume then that you couldn't answer that you couldn't literally hit a home run on because uh it's fair game right the entire framework for the interview is the resume. Right. And speaking to that too, I think 
for, you know, so many people, it's a no brainer to be able to speak to what's on your resume and show that, yes, I prepared this. I've taken time. I have an attention to detail. I feel like I know the answer to this question, but what in terms of a typo or not being able to, you know, have a resume that looks a hundred percent presentable, is that a deal breaker on campus? It, it can be, actually. I think we live in a world where we've progressively gotten more tolerant of that. The medium for communication, for example, emails, texts, people are not using complete sentences. The grammar is incorrect often. So I think there's, in general, more tolerance for typographical errors in a resume than when I was a junior lawyer, let's say, or even a young partner. That said, there are definitely many people who will point out in these discussions that I had mentioned before, typos and, and resumes. And I will just take a phrase from a lot of uh, sports athletes that you've got to control the controllable. So that's all that you can control. And so I don't want to come off as the older guy who's saying, hey, you got to do it the, the right way, right? But there really isn't an excuse for having a typo in your resume. Right. You can, you can deal with that. That's not a problem. Uh, you just got to have, you know, check it many times, more than twice, have friends check it over, et cetera. I don't even think that's so much a generational shift or anything. And I think exactly how you said you can control or you should be able to control the controllable is how you own an interview, right? You go in and you're kind of talking about yourself. You know yourself the best. You know your experience the best. I'm able to show that I have put in the time and effort to have a resume that is 100% ready for whoever's interviewing me. And I'm 100% ready to talk about whatever they want to talk about. Um, So I think that's totally fair and a great piece of advice to control the controllable. And just staying with you for one more point, because we do offer a number of one offerings, like Grace mentioned, and they also go through their screener interviews. So is there a difference in how a 1L or a 2L can prepare for those screener interviews. Um, Obviously, kind of both a little bit green, depending on what they did in their 2L summer, but wondering if you can speak to if you see a notable difference or if there is a way you you would best prepare them for that screener. I don't think there's a meaningful difference in terms of approach for preparation of an interview, whether you're interviewing for a 1L summer position or a 2L summer position. That being said, anecdotally, I've found that the 1L candidates tend to be more relaxed. It may be naivety, right? Or it may be the stakes don't feel as high for them because they're looking for a 1L position, which of course can lead ultimately to a permanent position or permanent employee as a first year associate. But obviously you still have your two L summer as a one L out looking for a job for your one L summer. Even if you don't land, say a big law law firm job, you still got the two L summer to try to do that. So the stakes are appreciably lower for 1Ls. So I'm theorizing a bit here, Jules, but that lowers their anxiety level. And the result is a more natural feeling 
interview experience. It's interesting. I think some, not all, but some of the 2L candidates, they're coming in a little tight, right? Uh, maybe forcing the action a little bit too much, right? And so the more that the interview can have a conversational feel to it while staying on topic, that's important, the better you're going to do. A lot of this is trying to make what might be viewed as an unnatural situation as being a bit more natural. It works both sides in terms of the feelings, the positive reaction that you want to generate on both sides, because obviously candidates looking for a job, but the interviewer is also trying to attract the right candidates. So the interviewer wants to generate positive feelings in the candidate. We want our candidates to have great interview experiences as well. But that, I think, of course, the Whiting Case name and our quality as a law firm and our offering is fantastic. But what really resonates with candidates? It's Mm -hmm. that interview experience. It's that cultivation experience. Who do they meet at the firm? They remember those people. They remember that feeling of, hey, this place is a place that will look after my interests, will support my career, that I actually would want to work with, make friends, develop a network, et cetera. I think those are important factors that play into the decision-making process for candidates who are looking at opportunities at big law law firms. And that's a good segue into how the candidates can own their callback process right from the callback invitation. Um, And I'll pivot it over to Grace and she can talk a little bit about them accepting the invite. They own what their next steps are going to be. Yeah, absolutely. So during your callback invitation scheduling, you'll be able to indicate an interest in different practice areas and affinity networks and really tell us who you're interested in meeting. Uh, And we can get a better sense from that of who you are, what you want to do, if you know. If you don't, that's great as well. Um, And we can really line you up with the people who are going to be part of your network when you come to the firm and give you a better sense of of the people that we have and what they can do for you and potential mentors that you'll have at the firm in different groups, in different networks. So it's really your chance to show us who you are just by selecting you know, a couple of quick boxes when you're scheduling your callback. Absolutely, and I think as we see those come in, I know for me, it's one of the ways that I can tell someone is super interested in the firm. If they're like, I know these partners, I'm you know, going to have the confidence to ask if that person is available, can I meet with them? Or this junior associate, this you know, mid-level associate, I've been in contact with them. I've already spoken to them, but other associates in that practice area or even our affinity network right? Where identity and feeling like you are walking in somewhere where you feel represented and supported as well is such a, it's on the forefront of everyone's mind. So if you, you know, are an ally even of affinity networks, I think it's such a great way for us to see, um, you know, how you've researched and kind of gotten to know the firm through that process. So now that we're kind of into that, we've accepted the callback interview, we're just kind of going through the timeline. So they're here for callbacks. And Joseph, I think we've talked about the screener interviews and making a good impression at that interviews. But when you are 
interviewing a callback candidate, they've made it to this stage, what would be one and two, one A, one B um, of the characteristics of that interview or how it ends up or how it feels when it's done? What does that look like to you, that candidate? Interesting question. So it's not reducible into one characteristic or quality. So we're a very large law firm, as you know, we've got a number of practice areas, really the full suite. And so while we do have a one firm mentality and an ethos about Whiting Case, for sure, there are some nuanced differences between the practice groups. A certain personality type, for example, or certain characteristics on a more nuanced level may work better in one practice area, practice area A versus practice area B. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, that being said, in terms of the best experiences I've had in interviewing is, again, one that is on topic, but more conversational, uh, one where I feel the discussion is organic. And in other words, not rote responses to questions that I have or canned questions, but a discussion where the responses and the follow-up questions show a developmental nature, right? They It feeds off of prior discussions. That, to me, shows a degree of engagement, a degree of interest, and also emotional quotient, if you will, the social awareness to try to make connections with an interviewer, if only on the level that I'm hearing what you're saying, I'm listening to it, I'm processing it, and I can react to it in an intellectual stimulating way. Those to me are the best. I think every interviewer has his or her own personal style in terms of likability of candidates, right? That is a factor. Me and I think the team generally are very much focused on trying to assess candidates on the basis that I described, right? Does this candidate demonstrate the qualities across our competencies, running through or completing a thoughtful interview process that shows or highlights those qualities? Absolutely. And I think the way I phrased it, I'm glad that you made the correction because I don't think I believe that, you know, and I know that about our people. We're so holistic in our view and our approach and how we see even each other. I think you emphasizing that it's a holistic picture rather than just one or two really great things is kind of key to that. So I appreciate that kind of going back to the question and explaining it in the best way. Um, So they kill it at callback. We move on to post-offer. There's a number of post-offer resources that they can kind of tap. So Grace, what are are some of those and what's your best piece of advice in making the most of post-offer cultivation? I think cultivation and follow-up is, is really tricky. You know, there's a lot of room for errors to be made. Um, you know, once you have completed your callback, you know, you, you've crushed it, and maybe you're still waiting for an offer, um, ask the recruiter what the timeline looks like to hear back. You know, we're all busy. The lawyers are busy. There's a lot of moving parts during OCI season. So just Knowing what the timeline looks like, nothing is worse than the day after a callback, someone emailing me and saying, what am I going to hear? You know, in an ideal world, it might work that fast, but it's usually not the case. 
So ask those questions with the recruiter. You know, we're here to answer your questions and be a resource for you. If you are following up with the lawyers or the recruiters, sending emails that are, you know, back to that attention to detail intended for the right person is always a great um, place to start. And making sure that, you know, your grammar is correct, you're remembering the right person you met and, and including something that makes that interview, um, interviewer remember you as well. And then I think another important thing is to take the firm up on the resources that they offer to you. You know, we offer phone calls and coffees and video chats once an offer is extended. Don't just go silent on us. Um, communicate with me. Let me know. Okay, great. I want to talk to this person. It's, it's a little disheartening when I reach out, you know, a couple times and I get crickets back. Um, so just keep us updated on your decision-making process as much as you can and take the firm up on those coffee chats and those phone calls because the people really do want to guide you and talk to you about how to make the best choice and why they think, you know, you'd be a great fit for us. Absolutely. And I think too, the coolest, I think, theme of our conversation has been how much we allow you, the candidate, to own how your process goes, right, from the very beginning. And it goes back to Joseph saying, you know, control the controllable, and then you really owning the callback process by deciding or putting, giving us some input on what that looks like to you. Um, And I think that's one of our best offerings, whether it's just underlying or something you notice from the get-go, but we really want to give you that opportunity to own your career from kind of day one. Um, And the more you're able to communicate with us kind of intelligibly, um, you know, works. So I think that kind of wraps up all of like the Q&A and the formal stuff. And we're going to segue into the off the record segment. And if you can think about maybe I'll make it OCI or callback screener phase or, you know, that kind of along the theme, what's an off the record moment for you where you were just kind of like, this is hysterical. This is going to stay with me forever, or I'm never doing OCI again because of it. Um, Maybe I'll start with Joseph and then go over to Grace. Oh man, I was hoping you were going to start with Grace. (laughs) (laughs) I have a lot of good stories. (laughs) Okay. We'll kick it over to you, Grace. So, like I said, I have a lot of memorable stories, um, but I think my best was a callback interview. It was a 10 o'clock interview slot on a Tuesday morning. Candidate was in. We had a high volume of callbacks, and I called the lawyer. I was first on the schedule, called the lawyer. His assistant said, sure, bring the candidate on up. He's here. We're ready. I was like, great. Good start to my day. Get up to the office, and the lawyer is nowhere to be found. So here I am in the hallway with the candidate. What do I do? Um, Luckily, another lawyer that I knew fairly well was walking by and I think saw like a sheer panic on my face and was like, oh, hi, I'm XYZ lawyer. How are you? So I was able to kind of sneak away, talk to the assistant who informed me that said lawyer um, had overslept and was driving into the office as we spoke and thought he would uh, beat me in. Luckily, this lawyer I had in the hallway was like, I'll just take this interview, no problem. Went off, went downstairs, was like, okay, this is not how my day should start. Um, Needless to say, I never used that lawyer on a morning schedule again. And the next day I showed up and there was like donuts and lots of treats for the recruiting team. 
Um, so yeah, just had to kind of roll with the punches on that one. I think during recruiting season, everyone from the recruiting team to the lawyers, they just like tap into superpowers they didn't know they had. They're just kind of like, I am going to do anything I can to make this look as seamless as possible to you. And when I go back to my desk, I might just like lay down under it. Like it's going to be fine, (laughs) but I'm going to need two seconds afterwards. Yeah. Lots of, oh my gosh, how did I even handle that situation? But I survived somehow and a little blackout. And then we, we come back to, and we move on to the next. (laughs) Okay. And Joseph, are we ready for your story? Well, I don't know if this is an actual recruiting story, but it has to do with, uh, this summer class, uh, one year. And I think it was rollicking times in terms of the economy. Economy was up firm. Our firm was doing very well. We had a big summer class and there were a lot of social activities as you would expect for any summer class, but certainly in booming times, those events tend to uh, reflect the richness of economy at those times or during those times. So we were at one of the first summer events, which was at a rooftop bar, which at the time it was fairly new, you know, going to a rooftop bar now, people are, Hey, this been there, done that. But At this time, it was still a pretty hip and cool thing to do in New York. And this was a a newer space. And, you know, the clientele was a great clientele at the venue. And so we had locked down a private area on the rooftop. Everyone's excited. The lawyers, White and Case, the Summers, White and Case. And, you know, people are throwing back the drinks, you know, martini here, right? A gin and tonic there. And... So as I was talking to uh, one of the summers, I overhear another summer. He's on his cell phone and he's talking to somebody. I don't know. It's a friend, I guess. And he says, man, this is incredible. I'm here on this rooftop bar at X place. And, you know, we're up here partying like rock stars. (laughs) I said, said, okay. um, Listen, I'm not into, you know, I'm not a musician, but trust me, what we were doing was not partying like rock stars. We were, we were partying like, you know, like uh, big law law lawyers. That's <laughs> but so it, was still, it was still a lot of fun. It was pretty, I think that quote made the rounds pretty much the entire summer. It was pretty hilarious. It's amazing. It's, I think you have that in every summer where someone just says something and you're like, it's the hashtag for the summer or this is the motto for summer. We're just going to party like rock stars. That's yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much uh, for talking with me today. I think um, hopefully it'll be beneficial to anyone who's listening to, you know, help you feel a little bit more confident going into your interviews, whether it's on campus, um, you know, or during the callback process, um, virtual hybrid, I think all of this still applies. Um, And hopefully you'll be able to take something from that. Thank you, Joseph. Thank you, Grace. Um, We'll link some of the resources that we mentioned in the show notes, Forage, Inside White and Case. Um, And I believe Joseph has an article coming out on Inside White and Case as well, advice to my younger self. So you can take a peek at that and learn a little bit more about his career here at White and Case and a little bit more about us. But thank you both. And I will hopefully see you in person soon. Indeed. Thanks, Jules. It was a pleasure. And always good to see you, albeit virtually.
Bye. Bye. Thank you. You can find out more about our work, our people, and the opportunities we offer at inside.whitecase.com and on our social media channels on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. On the Record is for you, our listeners, so we want to hear from you. Email your thoughts, questions, and topic ideas to us at the address in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you don't miss out on our next episode.